Hello guys, welcome to another edition of In The Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino and we're joined by the co-host Chris Martelli, Anthony Pinello on our new episode where we got some exciting topics to talk about. There's wrestling, of course, with AEW forming officially with their press conference and rally. We got WWE returns this past Monday night on Raw and Vince Carter, another big return to the Toronto Raptors at Scotiabank Arena. But first, we're going to talk about AEW's press conference because they got some big names that appeared in Jacksonville, Florida. Neville, who's now known as Pac, interrupted Hangman Page and sort of challenged him to a match. And then a few moments later, we saw Chris Jericho entering to his New Japan Pro Wrestling theme or his own song, Fozzy, because Break the Walls Down is WWE's uh, content so what are your thoughts on these two big acquisitions for all elite wrestling i just want to say first and foremost that i am i'm pretty sure i'm the only one that's very surprised with chris jericho signing there the reason is because i said in the last podcast he's been one of the most loyal guys to wwe through thick and thin you know going uh going with fozzy coming back going to fozzy coming back he always came back but now that he's with AEW, I don't know if he's going to go back to WWE. I think his career might be done in WWE. I want to kind of hold on that, though, because the last run that he had in WWE was probably one of the best he's had in a while. The, the list with Kevin Owens, and he was main eventing Raw for most of it. Um, but for me, uh, the home run here is Neville signing with AEW. I think this guy could be a main event guy. Um, he, he could have been a main event guy in WWE, but they screwed up mightily with that. Don't want to get into that because that just depresses me. So I'm very surprised with uh, with the Jericho signing, but uh, the Neville one, I'm not too surprised because he was one of the hottest guys out. And um, yeah, I think he's definitely going to bring uh, some great, great matches to AEW, a fresh new product with a couple great gems. Uh, Jericho, I'm not that surprised with just because when he did leave, he went to New Japan, which everyone that kind of threw everyone off at the time as well, like painting his face and all that. And it was like it was a new side to Jericho. So he really is the king of reinventing himself and getting a guy like that. Like you said before, he walks out to his own his own music. Who does that? A legend. That, that, that. <laughs> I just love the way he came out too, because like it felt like it was like a Goldberg. Yeah, like the all that, the yeah. like just coming out. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, and then just cool. Jericho in a suit, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like this guy's here. Can't believe it. So on top of that, with a guy like Neville, who's arguably the most satisfying guy to watch in the ring, along with a guy like AJ Styles, in my opinion. So they got a solid core, and that's an amazing way to start off your brand new company. And they also talked about that their first event. It's not going to be, they're not rushing it. They're not going to have it in February. They're waiting till May, and it's going to be a Saturday at MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. It's a big arena. UFC have their events in there. It's 17,000. They can fit, so that's huge for them. It shows that they're not just another independent walking into town. And It's not a bingo hall. Yeah, it's not a bingo <laughs> hall. It's not uh, the Manhattan Center. But they got also time to announce some acquisitions between now and May, and a lot of people's contracts come up. We got in January, Kenny Omega at the end of the month, and then in April after WrestleMania, Jim Ross's contract comes up. They need a commentary guy, play-by-play. Jim Ross's name is there. And also, if they really want to stay in the headlines, they can even announce Goldberg coming up. What do you guys think of those three guys and what they can add to the product? First, I want to say how smart they are, not only business standpoint and how they've they finally made a wrestling company but i if i was the re- if i was a wrestling uh if i was like cody rhodes 
he's so smart in that you know what we all know wrestlemania is in april so let's just wait for a month after to have our first ever pay-per-view event and get everybody involved because i feel like again it's like with monday night raw and uh monday night football so people they won't watch monday night raw because monday night football's on so like let's say the first ever aew event was in april less people would watch it because wrestlemania is the same month where you know sometimes fans they get kind of fatigued like oh wrestlemania is this month i don't know if i want to be fully committed to aew whereas for us that's not a problem we'll watch whatever but i'm saying having having their first ever pay-per-view event right after mania the month after i think is like the perfect timing and again like the names you just said jim ross kenny omega uh, Goldberg, all guys that can definitely fill seats, especially one of the best wrestlers in the world, Kenny Omega. Do I think he signs with AEW? I'm not really sure yet. I think it's still up in the air. I mean, I saw an article today that Hogan's really want he's really wanting Vince to sign Omega, but again, it's not on Vince or on Hogan. It's on Omega himself. So we got to wait and see what happens. Again, I know Kenny Omega loved uh, what Chris Jericho did in New Japan, so I wouldn't be surprised if Omega joined ship with Jericho in AEW. But wow, what a what a legend it would be! Like what a what a great time it'd be if Jim Ross um, is commentating in, on AEW because that would be something else. The most intriguing thing you said was Omega's contract is up one day before the Royal Rumble, which will do a lot of this. It'll stir yeah. it up. I still think he's going to All Elite. I just I can't see Omega in WWE. Apparently, they made him one last huge offer with possible creative control, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems unlikely though. You think they're gonna give? You think it's just they're playing the dirt sheets around with like Kenny Omega? Because I saw one guy say 3.5 million, and oh, I've wow, never heard of uh, a guy yeah coming back, <laughs> especially in Japan, making that kind of money on a downside. I can see creative control, maybe WWE Network if they really want to get Omega create like a cartoon or an anime and make him voice it because he knows Japanese and English. So it would save him a lot of money. I just don't see him going. I think his, especially his stable was the elite, all elite wrestling with the young bucks. His friends are there. Just the perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I think it's just the perfect fit. Like he knows basically half the roster already. And like, he's probably wrestled most of them. Yeah. And um, but again, it is intriguing that you do mention that his contract does expire one day before the Rumble. But I get like it's not the first time where that's happened and they haven't shown up. Like I remember, I think it was two years ago where Omega was supposed to go to the Rumble and he didn't. So I wouldn't be surprised if Omega doesn't go to the Rumble, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does go to the Rumble. It's just one of those yeah. things where you got to kind of flip a coin and see what happens. But I'm going to conclude that I do think Omega signs with AEW. I think that's going to happen, and arguably, maybe he'll main event their first pay-per-view. I'm not really sure. I think Goldberg is another interesting one because their owner, All Elite Wrestling, the people financing it, are the Jacksonville Jaguars owner, and Goldberg is a big like football. He's into football. He used to play in the NFL for a bit. So I think mostly his role with the company will be like an ambassador, like go out, represent us when the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing, do a coin toss or something. So in that aspect of it, I think it's a smart move. Maybe like WWE with the Legends deals. I think AEW are going to go and maybe see some of the Legends that might want to come over and do something similar. They'll pay them more money, go and have those uh, WrestleCade things, the Comic-Cons, make them in a position to make more money. I think WWE is going to have to convince some of these Legends 
Uh, yeah, we'll pay you a little bit more if you stick around. Don't go over there. Because uh, as we saw in Raw, another thing we're going to get into here is Hulk Hogan coming back. And Hulk Hogan has been all around. He's been an impact. He's been WCW before. He was the one that made that jump. And now he finally made his first official return in American television on Raw to pay respect to me and Gene Okerlund. What do you guys think of that? How they brought him back? <laughs> I liked it for what it was. It was just a, a simple 10-minute segment. They had the nice little tribute video there, which I, it cracked me up. I was laughing the whole time watching that. And he, he did his job. He did out. He came out and cut a promo on Mean Gene. Or he did. He had a little comment there saying, like, you're going to have the tag team match with Randy Savage and all the oh, guys yeah. that passed away recently. And he said, you're going to have to choose between Mae Young and oh, the yeah. fabulous <laughs> Moolah. And I just thought, wow, his wife would love that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was a nice segment bringing him back. <laughs> this guy just got it. Yeah, it was a nice He's segment for what it was. He's getting swole. <laughs> I also didn't know if he was in the Hall of Fame, if they took him out or not. Oh, yeah. And then when he came out, they said, Hall of Fame or Hulk Hogan. I'm like, okay, it's finally come full circle, the Hulkster's back. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's great to see Hulk Hogan back. But again, I think, um, like, uh, paying his respect to one of his, you know, one of his favorites. And, like, they were basically a duo for most of uh, Hogan's, you know, um wwe career and but i thought the segment was too long like i feel like okay yes like you, you he passed away he did a lot for the business but it was like 10 minutes of basically watching like a, a a video package and it's like i get it like he's passed away he he you know he did a lot for the business he did a lot for hulk hogan but I feel like you could have just done that in like a two minute thing where it's like, oh, like uh, rest in peace to Mean Gene. You do the 10 bell count. Yeah. And then you basically do a quick little, quick little, oh, uh, you know, he meant it like he meant uh, a lot to me. You know, like the typical he meant a lot. He meant a lot to the business. He gave everything and all that. But again, like it's great to see Hulk Hogan finally back. I don't know if this means he'll be back more often, if he'll be their number one ambassador again, because I remember a couple of years ago, like 2014. He was heavily involved in Mania. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what this means for WWE. I know Hogan's back. Is he going to now be involved more at WrestleMania? I mean, I hope not. This is the type of guy where he's done so much for the company where I feel like me as a fan, I don't want to see him anymore. I mean, you've done your stuff. You're one of the – you're basically the reason WrestleMania exists, and that's huge, but – Again, everyone's time comes up at a certain point, and I feel like Hogan's time has been up for a while, so just kind of, I would call it a career at this point. One and done then. Yeah. yeah. So, like, he came back on Raw. He did his thing. I feel like maybe after Mania, he comes out on Raw and basically says, okay, guys, I've been in this company for, like, 40 years. It's been a great ride. Thank you so much. And then maybe they have, like, a Hulk Hogan ceremony because that's usually what they do on Raw. So maybe, like, do something like that, but... Yeah, it was great to see him return. It was another we saw another guy, John Cena, come back. I actually want to talk about that. I actually want to talk about that segment because it started out very, very good in that he came out and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm here. I'm back. I'm inserting myself in the Royal Rumble." Okay, we get it. You're in the okay Rumble, and then Drew came out, and for me that was like, okay, this is like this could be a really big moment for Drew, but then Cena basically just flat out destroyed drew like making fun of his mic work again and it's like you can't come out and do that this is not the first time we saw cena do that either he did it to roman reigns too yeah so what are your thoughts on that because that really upset me 
Yeah, I didn't like that either. But the whole segment in general, I think those two with the war of words, that didn't have to happen. Because either way, it resulted in a six-man tag match that really went nowhere. So just those two going back and forth for the two minutes or whatever it was, I really wasn't that necessary for me. I feel like they did that, though, to elevate Drew's star power. It worked the other way, though. I yeah, know it did. But that's what Cena does. Yeah. Oh, then, what a wash. And then <laughs> heading into the Rumble, like I think it's they're positioning those guys to be the favorites, like Finn Balor and uh, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, John Cena. But... More to that, I think if Drew doesn't win the Rumble and Cena doesn't surprise and end up winning, which I don't see happening, I think we might see John Cena and Drew because I think that they're just testing the audience's reaction to them. The way, just I don't know, the way he was talking in that promo seemed a little bit foreshadowing that he's saying, okay, this is going to pick up a little later on. I think that's where Drew is going to get his big rub at WrestleMania. I feel like. How I would book it is with the war words they had, I would basically just have Drew eliminate Cena yeah. at the Rumble. If Cena intends to react to that and, you know, be like, oh, you eliminated me, I'm pissed, one on one at Mania. If that happens, um, I guess that's okay, but I still think Drew deserves something better than a part timer at WrestleMania. That's just my opinion. But. I think right now on Raw, they're in limbo with a lot of guys. Like we saw in the six-man tag, there's a lot of guys there where it's like, you have all the potential in the world, but this guy has a, a spot above you right now. Like Finn Balor, to me, has become Drew McIntyre. Like two months ago, Drew McIntyre was running Raw. Now I feel like Finn Balor's kind of on that way to like coming out and basically getting wins every week. But I don't know, man. It's tough. It's unpredictable. I mean, even on Raw, it was basically about Seth Rollins. The whole show was basically about Seth Rollins. Started and ended with him. So I'm excited to see what happens with Rollins. I was a little worried because when uh, he went to Triple H backstage and said, I want the IC title, I thought he potentially would have won that. And then (laughs) that would have ruined all my Royal Rumble predictions and all that. So, (laughs) but thank God Lashley screwed him over. But oh, man. I'd, I'd, if, if, the, if these two are going to go on a collision course, I am not about that at all. Rollins and Lashley. Like, I, no. There's nothing to gain for both of them. No. That. I think the way they started last week's show, I would suggest for you to get used to it. <laughs> yeah, February, there's going to be some time. February and March. So in between Mania, it's just bound to happen. I hope it's one of those, like, raw feuds. Like, that's it. <laughs> like nothing, yeah. like nothing more. Like three weeks and then done at the next pay per view. Yeah, I was hoping EC3 <laughs> like how Balor and Corbin on. was kind of. You think EC3 would be a good match for Seth Rollins if he were to go to Raw, or would you prefer him in a face against Lashley? I think I'd rather have that. I think uh, I'm not opposed. This is kind of random, but I'm not opposed to him and Dean going at it for the IC That'd title. Who so, EC3? Yeah, so a face EC3 against a heel Dean. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. I don't know. I feel like those two would work well together. The promos would be fun. I think it's perfect right now to position the IC titles in because you have a very, very like great heel in Dean Ambrose, and you have a lot of great faces. Yeah. But the faces right now, I think, are above Dean in like star power. Like you have Balor, who's getting that little push. You have Rollins, who's basically becoming the authority's guy. And um, like, if there is a guy that I can see facing Dean right now, it's EC3 getting called up and getting that spot. What about a? Uh... I think Elias has been lo- kind of lost the last few weeks. Yeah. He's been doing this thing with Corbin, but it's kind of taken a step back from what he's been doing. I feel like with Elias, they're in a position now where it's like, we know that you have the charisma to carry anything, but we want to, we want you to improve your in-ring work, which 
kind of hasn't helped him because he hasn't had a lot of matches in 2018 and he hasn't won a lot. So I feel like in 2019, if you want him to, to you know, tra- like project going up, like trending up, I would start having him actually wrestle every week and, you know, actually have him win a couple. Yeah. Because it, it, it be, it's nice to win. It'd be nice to hear that theme song. Yeah. And also, like you said, like, I like what they do with uh, the Bound for Glory where wins actually matter. And a guy like Elias, I feel like he should win a little more. And yeah. he does good at those promos. He comes out with the, he sings, he just runs down his opponent. And uh, speaking of promos, got to get to the bad part of Raw with Brock Lesnar's return, which was wasted. And in ring, they had the split screen with Braun Strowman. He had his chance here to cut a promo and excite fans, try to like get people in the back because I know that there's still debate on where they're going to go after Royal Rumble, if Lesnar's going to retain or if Strowman's going to win the title. But that put a little doubt in that, that promo. I think uh, sealed that uh, match. I think Lesnar's going over now, but (laughs) what are your thoughts on Strowman's promo? I, I am actually speechless because I have no idea what his status is. Because I, I saw on Raw he looked fine, but then I read the day after it's like, oh, he's still not clear to compete, Strowman. So yeah, it's like, it's like okay, you have him come back on Raw, you have him have a microphone in his hand. He's all, oh, you know, Lesnar, come out here, we'll fight. But yet at the same time, he wasn't ready to fight. And I think that's why they that kind of like went the way it did, and that he's just standing awkwardly in the ring, and Lesnar's just backstage, like, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to go out there, and it's just. It's okay. Lesnar's character. What was it? Three months ago, when he had the title and he didn't want to go out like out on Raw. That was pretty funny. He had the magazine and all yeah. that. That was fu- That was actually good. Yeah. But like how he did it on Monday was kind of like it was so. Like he had the title. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to go out. And then him, it's like, oh, you want to go? Like, we we'll want to go home. I'll go this way. And then Lesnar's like, oh no, let's go to the ring. Let's see what he says. Yeah, and then odd. he just circles the ring and then leaves. It's like, man, like I, I, I don't know what they've done with this universal title like i feel like they actually don't give a shit about any of it come january like come the royal rumble i hope Strowman wins i really hope he does because i know that uh, lesnar's uh, schedule from january to april is apparently stupid so I, the way i'd book it i'd have Strowman win and i'd just lesnar fuck off don't fucking come back that's where we're at now <laughs> that that's literally after monday i've come to the conclusion where i really don't care about the universal title right now it's just one of those things where, oh, it, oh wow, look, the Universal title's on Raw. That's fucking fantastic. Last time I saw that was three months ago. Like, it's it's just, it's never on Raw where when it's on Raw, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember that. I remember that title. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, like, it's just because they've been so invested in Rollins and Ambrose and the IC title for like seven months now. And basically, the IC title was Raw's title last year. Yeah. You can't say it wasn't. And even in 2017, maybe. It was the IC title. So the universal title for the last two years has been basically part-time, and that has to stop. So I want Strowman to win come Royal Rumble. (laughs) Everything went downhill for Strowman when they sporadically turned him heel just to get Reigns over. And then it's been downhill ever since. That's another story. I just wanted to get that in there. We were there for that. We were. (laughs) Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, watching Raw with you, I was saying, like, the only thing I got out of that segment was it was nice to see the title again. Because that that was a waste of 20-plus minutes. And to uh, add to the actual segment, like, the split-screen thing for the people watching at home, like, Strowman just, like, eyeing down the camera in, like, a fucking staring contest. And 
It was just so awkward, and they should never do that format again. The only time I think it worked is when Samoa Joe and Lesnar were in like separate rooms when they did that backstage thing. But if one that was good though because they were both great on the mic, they were like actually jabbing each other. If they're if one's in the ring and one's backstage, you don't need the split screen because the guy's looking at the another camera angle. But the thing about Lesnar and Heyman, I think what they did here, I think that was a test for Strowman because we saw something similar when John Cena, like what you mentioned with Roman Reigns, how they, that was a little off script and Roman Reigns in that moment had to adjust and change his promo and go after John Cena. Kurt Angle looked awkward in the ring where he was looking like, I don't know what's going on here, like usual. And uh, this, I think it was similar. Heyman was looking at Lesnar. Lesnar wasn't really reacting to Heyman like he usually does. And Strowman just said the same thing. You're going to get these hands. And then later on, I'm going to get you at Royal Rumble and you're going to get these hands. He didn't adjust on the fly. He didn't change his like approach to it. I think at that moment he should have went after Lesnar more and maybe would have got more investment in this feud. It's just one of those things where Strowman has been a showman the last two years where like everything he does is like entertaining as fuck. Yeah. Like he'll... He'll dump a truck. He'll like he'll do that he'll stupid stuff. Like that Roman Reigns feud was one of the most entertaining feuds I've seen in a while. Cause like they'd go on Raw and they'd literally beat the hell out of each other every week. But we have to we have to get that Strowman again because we haven't been getting that Strowman ever since the heel turn. He's kind of he's relied on you know Dolph Ziggler and Drew and Drew and they did that six man thing for the Saudi Arabia event. So they built around that. And then when he turned face because of the whole Roman Reigns thing, it's like the fans are like, oh, but he, he just turned heel. So like are not, now we're supposed to cheer him again. And like so like when it he's the type of guy where like you have a face and a heel. Like, you know, how there's some guys that are facing heel and they're basically the same character. They just do good things. Strowman is completely different. When Strowman's a face, he is like the most organic face i've ever seen what like what we saw at mania with the whole nicholas thing like i never want to see that again and then when he's heel he's like a he's a monster like he'll literally tip over ambulances put you in an ambulance put you through tables so like i feel like we need to get that Strowman, the monster again his mic work isn't it's never been the greatest it's never been that good that's why when Heyman took a jab at him I feel like that was kind of unprofessional and it's like, hey man, you know his limits and you know what he's not good at and that is what he's not good at. So you go out there and you say, oh, we've heard that before. It's like, well, yeah, but Lesnar doesn't talk. All he says is soup like city, bitch. Like, when so- Lesnar did have a mic and a sign, he could talk. So like he's proved that that's the only difference. Like if Strowman wants to be that top guy, he has to be in that moment where if you're on live TV – can't just do the same thing over and over. All the greats like Hogan, Austin, The Rock, Cena, Roman Reigns. At any moment, they can flip the script and make you invested and think it's an actually part of the storyline. I think Strowman has got to learn that tool. If I'm if I'm booking this match, it can't go the way No Mercy did. Yeah. Because that was a train wreck. <laughs> the way I would do it, honestly, is you know how uh, – I think it was Mania. I think Lesnar did five F5s to Reigns, and he kicked out of all of them, and it became a boo fest. Everyone was just booing and booing and booing, and then he did the elbow, and he busted them open, and more boos. And I feel like they have to do that with Strowman, and you have to have Strowman beat the shit out of Lesnar, like literally beat the shit out of him. Like do like four running power slams, put do two through the announce table. Because like when Lesnar works with people – 
it goes over very well. We saw it with Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series. Saw it with Styles. I don't remember the other person he really put over. Maybe Samoa, Samoa Joe, Joe yeah. he put over there. But other than that, really no one. Like he hasn't really worked that well. Like with Reigns, it's the same shit. F five kick out. F five kick out. German. Like it's just. I, the way I'd book it is I'd have you know how Lesnar usually runs at them I'd have Strowman yeah. run at Lesnar and just fucking beat the shit out of them. Just more of what they did at that their first match. I thought like Strowman looked strong. Like do more of that and make Lesnar like oh wow this whole time that Strowman was saying he's gonna get these hands he's actually getting these hands and then dominate the match. It's just okay. I'm pretty sure when it was no mercy like the build I think Strowman was the heel and Lesnar was the face going into that. That was the plan. Yeah. So I would have done. I would basically do the same thing. I don't care. I know Lesnar's the heel, and I know Strowman's the face, but I would do the exact same thing. I'd have – so there's two weeks left till the Rumble. You still have two weeks to build up a little more, but I know I don't think Lesnar's going to be on the show anymore, no, I don't see it. which is fucking awful. But uh, I, if, if Lesnar was on the show, I definitely would have had maybe Strowman come out and maybe hit him with a chair, like, you know, stun Lesnar, be like, holy shit, this guy actually wants to beat the shit out of me. So another thing – at the Rumble, I don't want to see a singles match between those two. Please don't give me a singles match. No holds barred. Give me a no DQ. Yeah. Give me something juicy. Just like, as long as Strowman's protected with that elbow. That's yes, sure. but I, I want Strowman to win, though. Okay, I, so after that, then, let's fast forward a bit to maybe past WrestleMania. Every year they switch up the rosters. Where do you want to see with Strowman and Lesnar? I, I, well, Lesnar, I want to see gone. I don't want to. See, I think after April, I think he should call it a career. Um, he's what forty-one now. I'd kind of just call it. Um, Strowman, I, I feel like he's always going to be a raw guy. I feel like he can't go to SmackDown. I, that's just my opinion. I feel like SmackDown is a place where it's for the underdogs. It's for the under. It's for the the professional wrestlers. And Raw is more of like for the entertainers. That's the way that I've looked at it for two years. You have the Roman Reigns. You have the Lesnar, the Strowman, the Elias, you even had Jericho, you had Owens, you had those guys. They know how to wrestle, but they're more the entertaining guys. And yet, okay, well, Styles is one of the most entertaining guys I've ever seen. There are a few exceptions. few exceptions. <laughs> but when I look at Raw and SmackDown as a whole, I, when I see Raw, I'm like, oh, that's, the, that's supposed to be the entertaining show. Where SmackDown is more, oh, that's more wrestling. Because Raw, we all know, opens every week with a stupid segment and SmackDown usually opens with a two-minute segment, not even, and then a match right after. Where So Strowman, to me, is a guy where when I look at SmackDown, I don't picture him there. I don't picture Strowman on SmackDown. Actually, come to think of it now, I don't picture AJ Styles on Raw. When I think of Raw, I don't see AJ Styles there. Apparently, that's been rumored yeah. as of late for the next switch-up or whatever they call it. I mean, if that happens. If he resigns, right? They can go to all the league. Oh, I'm sick of this contract bullshit. February, AJ Styles' contract is up. Yeah, that's a good question, though. I I feel like Strowman needs to stay on Raw, though. I feel like him and Drew McIntyre would be like a hell of a feud, and I think that's too good to miss and to mess up. You can't mess that up. I honestly don't know if I would give Strowman the title because I also want to see Lesnar fuck off, but I don't want to see Braun run with the, the, the top title, apparently, into the new season. Yeah, I think they should save that for Drew to beat Brock because after last week's segment, I am not convinced and I do not want to see this match any more than I wanted to before. See, this is the problem. Yeah. I, we were convinced 
going into no mercy that Strowman was ready to win the title. Ever since uh, his his feuds, you know, with uh, who did he feud with? Um, he feuded with Reigns, feuded with Rollins, Ambrose. you know, Ambrose. He feuded with you know a couple of uh, Corbin. I think he feuded with. Ever since that, oh, and, he, and the feud with Owens, fucking forget about that. I was trying to. Ever <laughs> since that, you look at, he's come so close to gold. Like, he tastes it, but he never gets it. So, us as fans, like Pinello just said, I don't know if, like, we don't know if he's ready now. We don't know if he's ready anymore to actually be the guy. Whereas two years ago, when he was fucking everything, like, when he was tipping ambulances and, you know, being <laughs> one of the top guys and one of the most... That guy literally went from the black sheep of the Wyatt family to one of the most entertaining and like the most improved guy in the ring I've ever seen in a long time. And then he's been in limbo the last like eight months now. And it's like, okay, now you have another title opportunity where I feel like this guy's actually been getting a lot of title opportunities. No offense. But again, like we, we have to scratch our heads here. It's like this is WrestleMania season. This is a big deal. Do we really want to see Strowman go into WrestleMania as the universal champion and face Drew McIntyre. I mean, I would like to see that, yeah. but I feel like I'd rather see that at SummerSlam. Does it seem a little forced to you? Because I feel like when Reigns won the universal title, it was this. It was supposed to be this big, oh, finally moment, and the title's back on Raw. All I'm going to say is if Reigns didn't have leukemia, Strowman would not be in this position right now. So I feel like Strowman's going down the similar path. Yeah. Like he's going to win it and... They're expecting it to be a huge deal, but it's just like a be coronation. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think Strowman would have been a heel still, and Lesnar wouldn't. I don't think Lesnar would be on TV regularly or at all, right until Royal Rumble. I don't think he would be on a pay per view if Roman was still. I think that was a backup plan. It's just one of those things where they didn't have to turn Strowman face. Yeah, like you literally could have just had a heel Strowman, like a badass Strowman versus a badass Lesnar. You could have Bobby Lashley booked properly, and maybe him versus. Strowman, because he beat Reigns, I remember, clean, and he never got that title opportunity with Lesnar. And that was the time that, like, Bobby Lashley's return, if he wanted it to mean something, that would have been big. But they ruined that with him. And no one, uh, think back to how many people pin Roman Reigns clean. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen. The Miz, I think, used the term book, but that was kind (laughs) of clean when he won the title. That was good. And then Bobby Lashley. And then they, I don't know what they did with it. It's just one of those things where, you, again, Strowman, he, he's not I, – I don't think he should get it. But, again, we want to see Lesnar fuck off. So if Strowman wins, I'm fine with it. I'm really fine with it. But Do you have him as heel, though, going in and face Seth Rollins and that, that underdog story? Would that be too played out? I'm still slating Drew McIntyre to be in the universal picture at Mania. I, I love Rollins, but I feel like Rollins is going to be on a collision course – with someone that I will name next week because I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> spoil it because I read something online and it's gonna be. Uh, you guys are gonna be very happy with uh, the rumored match that they want to do at Mania. It's basically all I'm gonna say is this: an, it would be an interpromotional match. It's all yeah. I'm gonna say. I know what you're talking oh, about. All right. <laughs> <laughs> also, quickly before we get into like sports, I want to bring up AEW and their tag division because they already have the Young Bucks. And now they're going to have SoCal that comes up. They have Kazarian, Daniels, and um, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky. Those three, well, no, because apparently they were on Ring of Honor and they were a trio. So apparently they all went to Cody Rhodes when he talked to them. He's like, 
I want all three of you. And like, okay, so <laughs> it's so I could be I could maybe even see a six man tag at the first pay per view with those three versus the Young Bucks and Cody. That would be interesting. That'd be very fun. Yeah, so then you have like the guys that aren't even signed yet to main event, like an Omega versus a Pac, or a... we just assume it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, AEW. The last question I want to ask is, how much of a competition is it going to be in May with WWE? I think the we're going to have to wait to see who they sign more. <coughs> Sorry, who they sign like the new additions because right now they have basically Ring of Honor guys. You have the Young Bucks, you have Cody, you have Jericho from New Japan, but. I think they're talking with some guys in New Japan who are free agents. Like one of the guys I think came up was Kushida, who wrestled uh, Tajiri Ushimori. That's, I don't want to butcher the guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> he lost. He has like a cool gimmick. He's a great cruiserweight wrestler. That's a guy. Um, Kenny Omega for sure. I think he's slated for AEW. And there's some WWE guys that aren't too happy in the company. So depending on who they sign from there. It's going to be interesting. We'll and then also... There is a partnership being deal worked out with uh, AEW and Impact Wrestling. No so, way. Yeah, on Monday, I was on No Impact Wrestling That's with not Mark Burner and Joe Pasek told me and reported it that AEW, Jericho is coming in now. He's really good friends with Don Callis, who's a part of the management in Impact Wrestling. That could be something that we can see in the future. So does that mean Tessa Blanchard can go to AEW? That would be huge. I'm still baffled that they didn't sign her out of the first May Young Classic. WWE <laughs> makes a lot of dumb decisions. They, they also didn't sign Kota Ibushi, who's one of the best now. Yeah. So Isn't he still a free agent? Yep, I think so. <laughs> he's just working. No, but he he's, yeah, he's, indie. he's in the yeah. indies. <laughs> and they didn't sign... Uh, Kenny Omega, they let him go when he was in independence. So that was a solid move by the company at that point. We could talk about wrestling all day, like literally all day. I love it. But now I want to get into this again. We talked about it last week, the all-star game for the NHL. Is it really worth it? Like, like does the all-star game in the NHL, does it really need to happen? Because it's getting to the point now where every time I turn on my TV, I see a big name. Oh, I'm going to rest. Oh, uh, I'm going to spend time with my family. I get it. The prize is a car, for God's sake. You're, you're making millions of dollars. Like, can you can you make, like, uh, Kate, the MLB, when the All-Star game happens, the winner uh, gets, um, I think they get, uh, what's it called? They get home field advantage in the MLB, the World Series, which that means something. In the NHL, the All-Star game means nothing. It doesn't mean anything to these players. So I'm asking you guys, does it really need to happen? I uh, I actually didn't know about that MLB yeah. mistakes yeah. that are that's actually insane. Yeah. And uh, the majority will tell you, yeah, it needs to happen. But personally, the both of you know, I don't really care for the All Star Game because, like you said, every time you tune in, someone's, uh, oh, my knee hurts. I can play. I'm fine, but I think I'd rather take the weekend off. And it's 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 kind of shitting on the whole event, really. And for me, I'm not really fond of it. Yeah, I agree there. And uh, you know what? If they say, oh, yeah, my knee hurts, my leg hurts, when it comes time for the Olympics and when they want to go, they're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, my checkbook doesn't work. <laughs> can't cash checks. So you guys are going to stay here and play in the All-Star game because this is an, like an event to sell your league. This is the only time all the players collectively in the league are together. And if you guys, they're pulling out, they're not really doing their part in the 50-50 ownership that they have, that they wanted in the CBA to sell the league and make more money that they wanted. So... I think it's a bad look on the players more than Gary Bettman because he's doing everything he can with the outdoor games and all that. Like also when you look at um, 
storylines in seasons. Like we we've seen a couple years ago, like um, we saw you know the Kessel thing. We saw Ovi you know take the picture with the draft. We saw last year Besser came into the All Star game as a rookie and basically he was the best one of the best players in the game. I feel like with the All Star game you could also add storylines, just like wrestling. You could add storylines to promote your league. Like, let's say Pedersen was healthy, and he probably will be in the All-Star game. Let's say he goes in there and he kills it. He's the best player on the ice. He outplays Crosby, Ovi. He outplays all of them. There's your storyline right there. You Headline, is Pedersen the next generational talent? Is Pedersen the next great? Yeah. You could say stuff like that. But when you have guys like Ovechkin, who have been the, one of the most entertaining guys in the NHL, oh, no, I'm not going to go. You had one of the best goalie seasons I've ever seen in Carey Price a year. Oh, I'm not going to go now. It's like, okay, now you're getting replaced by Vasilevsky. That's amazing. But at the same time, I don't know how many Tampa Bay players I want to see in an all-star game on the same team. Just name them the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> you have Kucherov, Stamkos. Apparently, there's still one more spot open, and they might give it to Braden Point. And now you have... Uh, you have Vasilevsky, and I don't. I, did Hedman make it? I don't know if he no. did. I don't think he did. I think did. Morgan Riley's also like one of the. It's last those two. Yeah. It's so those two that are fighting Leafs for it. And three Lightning players on the same. It's team. just like it's dumb. You have to get players to want to go because it yeah. seems like a chore to them every time this this time of year comes. It's a shame because again, like you have to you have to promote your league, and Gary Bettman is. I feel like he's not trying hard enough. He's like, you know what? I got Vegas to come in the league. I'm getting Seattle to come in the league. Let's kind of take a backseat with the All-Star game the next couple years. Like, I feel like the East and West meant so much. When I would watch it, it was like, okay, you have the East best and you have the West best going at it in a five-on-five game. Not a three-on-three game. Not a little tournament where the winner gets a little happy-go-lucky stick in a little car. Like, (laughs) I just hated the whole thing where, like, Besser came out. And they, they, you know, they gave him a car. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. He didn't even look like that happy. He's like, I'll just give it to my mom. Like, <laughs> I, they I, they really need to change the template of the All-Star game, I think, if they want fans like us to really watch it and care for it. So I think it's just America. Like, they're always going to have a game sold in Canada, like wherever, with Hockey Night in Canada. We're going to – all of us are going to watch it. I think it's mostly in America and the States. Like, how are you going to get them invested? Because they see – the NBA do an amazing job. They have like the Rising Stars game where they have all the rookies going at it. They even have celebrities taking part. They have alumni. I think the NHL, what they should do on the Friday, you have the Thursday off too. You have you bring all the players out. Friday, you have an alumni or celebrity game and you have like Gretzky, Lemieux. Get all the old guys back that people remember seeing. Put up some celebrities in it too and you just have a big game to sell on TV. I feel like that is one of the main problems is that American the American audience, they don't care enough to, to tune in. Was it uh, two years ago they did it in L.A.? Yeah. When Snoop Dogg was hosting? Yeah. I remember they were bringing everyone out, like announcing all the players, and they, like crickets. No one knew who anyone was. Yeah. It was kind of embarrassing. It's just one of the – yeah, like again, I get that basketball does really well. They do have all that stuff, the rising stars, the slam dunk contest. They have all that. But again, celebrities are more invested in it because I think they work a lot harder in promoting it. Yeah. And again, the audience obviously plays a big factor in whether it's successful or not. And when you look at American audience in hockey, it's like it's hit or miss. And we've seen it with the L.A. audience. We've seen it like look at Nashville. Their audience is stupid. They're wild. But then you look at L.A. It's like, OK, cool. Like even yeah. Vegas, like at the <laughs> yeah. beginning of the year last year, it's like, oh, cool. Hockey, a hockey team. 
And then when they went to the final, it's like, oh, I love hockey. It's like, no, you don't. You're just a bandwagon. <laughs> Your team's doing well. But yeah, I, I feel like, um, to me, this year at least, I, I might tune in, but it's not going to kill me if I don't. That's why celebrities would be fun. Like, can you imagine they get, like, some of those celebrities that can get uh, the Mighty Ducks movie. Like, you get one of those guys, you can say, I want to see Charlie Conway playing the game. Like, That'd be pretty cool. All the nostalgia they can sell to people. You get Gretzky to, like, take a break from Edmonton. It's like they're doing anything right now. But can come in there, put the skates on, skate around for a little bit. Eric Lindros, like, get some Hall of Famers involved. And the people who watch it as a kid, they might watch it and say, I want to tune into that and build your audience through that on the Friday. Like, it's just a shame because, again, the NHL, it's both American and Canadian. We all know Canadians will always love hockey. Yeah. We'll always tune into it. I mean, I think the World Juniors is one of the most watched things on TV for Canadians, like, all time. Like, it's just, it's that exciting. But when you look at it from the American standpoint, fans are not going to tune in if it's if it's not that good. And, again, they're not... They're not invested enough. You have MLB, you have the MLB All-Star Game. You have the NFL, uh, the, the, what's it called, the Pro Bowl. You have, um, you know, you have the NBA All-Star Game. Those are way more exciting in the American audience's eyes than an NHL All-Star three-on-three tournament. So I feel like they do need to promote it more to the American audience. And I feel like they need to win the American audience over if they really want this to kind of mean something again. Because again, the older I get, the less I care about the All-Star game. That's just how it's come. And it's sad because, like, look, when we were younger, how many times did Sidney Crosby miss the All-Star game? Like, five years? And now, like, what happens if, oh, McDavid, I don't want to go. My team's my team has a losing record. Why would I want to go? That's like Pedersen, too, maybe in the next couple of years. Or Eichel. It's like, oh, my team sucks. Why would I want to go to it? Like, it's just one of those where... I feel like Batman should say straight up to them, it's like, you don't have a fucking choice. You're going to it. <laughs> he shows up at their house, Gary Bettman with a baseball bat. No, you're playing in the All-Star game. Okay, I'll kill you. It's bad when the, <laughs> when the players are willing to accept the one-game suspension. Yeah. That's pathetic. That's bad. <laughs> like, you got to remember, it's your team. You play, like, you get paid. This is your life. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, um, by the way, you're not going to... If you sit out, you're not going to play against, uh, I don't know, let's say uh, Washington's playing uh, Tampa Bay for number one in the, in the conference. Let's say that game actually has stakes. Oh, yeah, no, I'll miss it. I'll miss it, sure. You know it's what like, they should what? do? What? A, okay, Ovechkin, you don't want to play in the All-Star game? That baffles play, me. Yeah, first two playoff games, you're not playing. How the hell are you just Whoa. willing to sit out a game for your team? I kind of like that, what he said, actually. Two playoff games? Like, you're not playing in the All-Star game. Two playoff games, we'll see how fast he runs up and says, oh, my ankle, my knee, everything's fine now. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, run, run, run in the dressing room now. You're going to go play in the All-Star. You'll be the first one on the ice, and then too, the while you're at it. suck. Though, you know what they say after? All right, we'll pick the game that you get to sit out. So they'll wait for, like, the Winter Classic or something. They're like, oh, yeah, remember you missed the All-Star game? Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not, not playing. playing in this game. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I just, I have so many... Uh, the all-star game is just a mess but we'll uh we'll get off that topic because that's just uh, depressing as shit but i want to talk about vince carter going to uh he returned at the scotia bank arena the other night got a standing ovation obviously because you can't boo him vince sanity do you guys see him coming back to toronto come february you know what the more times that he comes back and um the reception he's gotten especially the last two i think two years when that documentary came out and they they gave him the standing ovation, I think they're warmer like to the idea. 
because I think it, it will be more like well received if he came back. So I think they can trade for him at the deadline. Not something like crazy, like a draft pick or like maybe like a conditional pick in like three years. I think they'll do him that favor and bring him back. I feel like uh, he's in a position right now where Atlanta is one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. And uh, Trey Young hasn't been that good this year either. He hasn't been that much of an impact. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he. I, th- I feel like a guy at 42 years of age who wants to win, so why not try and – why should the Raptors not try and get him? I mean, uh, if – He's also gone on record. I think it was a year ago. He said he still wants to play, like not just take a, a backup role and play like maybe 12 minutes a night. Like he wants to still be a prominent player. So if he came to the Raptors, would he really get much of anything here? That's that's what I was saying. Like – you have so many guys in his position. Like you have Leonard and uh, OG, and OG hasn't even been playing that much. He's averaging like 20 minutes a night. So if you have a guy like Vince Carter come on the team and he wants to be a prominent player, and you know the fans will want to see that because it is Vince Sanity. Would you want to see a guy like Ananobi get shafted for like the last like 30 games? I think it would work to the Raptors' favor because Kawhi Leonard, they were saying you want to wrestle more and Lowry, so. And then games you rest those guys, you can give Vince like 30 minutes or 28 minutes, and then you rest Vince for like three games, and then bring him on for five minutes at a time. Yeah, that'd be pretty good actually, stri- stri- like strategically wise. Because then, yeah, in the playoffs too, like let's say your team's down by five, you need a spark from your bench. Vince Carter hasn't been in the game. You bring him up in Scotiabank Arena, the nostalgia is gonna sell. Everyone's gonna go crazy. That might lift up the team. It might work in Nick Nurse's plans as a coach. Yeah, I, I really do like the Vince Carter, um, the idea of it, whether they go through with it, I'm not really sure. Um, but I, I just want to bring back on Pinello's point with uh, if he wants to, like if he comes here and wants to be a prominent player, he's got to realize that we are one of the best teams in the league and that we do have one of the best benches in the league too. So he's going to have to come to this team. And yes, we all know he has brings that nostalgia and he has been sanded. He basically made Toronto's culture. He's one of those guys. But you got to realize that you're not the best on the team. You're actually far from it. So you got to work hard. And if you want to even play 20 minutes a night, you got to be impactful defensively and offensively. I'm not saying that's something he can't do. Yeah. It's just, again, you have, a, you have an up-and-coming star in OG Ananobi who's scratching and climbing at 20 minutes a night. So if you're going to give – if you're going to let Vince Carter come into the team, and, like – I, all I'm saying is I don't want to piss off OG Ananobi because I don't want him to walk. I want him to stay with the Raptors. And if this Vince Carter thing is a one-and-done thing, you really have to you have to um, coach this the right way. You can't screw this up because if you screw it up, there could be a lot of unhappy players. Like you have Danny Green also. You have Van Fleet, DeLon Wright, Norman Powell. All these guys are trying to play minutes. And then you bring Vince Carter back, it's like, oh, shit, we, we, we have to dud up five minutes from each player. It's like... Is it really a point of playing? Like, Van Fleet wants, like, 28 a night. Yeah, that was one. I feel like if Vince Carter went to Toronto, Van Fleet would get the Terry Rozier treatment, where it's like, oh, yeah, you're great, but we're going to give you, like, 18 minutes a night and just go out there and be as much of an impact as you can for those 18 minutes. And then maybe, you know, when Vince is done or when, uh, I don't know, whoever on Boston's done, then we'll give you a raise. But, like, guys like Van Fleet and Rozier, when they play, they're like, oh, I, I, I think I'm good enough to be a starting point guard. So give me the minutes. So I feel like a guy like Vince Carter coming to Toronto could screw that all up for the Raptors. So it's great for him to come back if he does with the whole nostalgia thing. And like you said, you need that spark off the bench. You could rest Leonard. You could rest other guys. That's great. But at the at the end of the day, for me, the important thing is the morale of the team 
And if you start screwing with the morale and the happiness of players, look what we saw with Kawhi last year. Yeah. It could really be a sickness and it could really tear the whole team down. So it's a for me it, it's a great opportunity, but it could be a very it can, it's one of those things where it's a high risk high reward thing. Yeah. Where let's say Vince Carter comes back and he turns back the clock, then we could definitely maybe I could say we could give Golden State a run for their money. But if he comes in here and he's eating minutes and he's not doing anything like we've seen with Carroll and Ibaka like last year, I don't know what could happen. Like the team could self-destruct. So it's tough. It's a tough topic to get into. I don't know. It's tough. You think CJ Miles might, if they get I think Vince he Carter, dips. I think that CJ Miles is the one out that they'll trade for a second round pick. And I didn't even bring him up. Pick. Yeah. <laughs> that second round pick from CJ Miles will go towards for Vince Carter. Yeah. That's I feel the replacement. I feel like that would, um, again, great idea. High risk, high reward. We just got to see how Messiah Jury would kind of, and Nick Nurse would um, deal with that. Cause yeah. that's a, cause small forwards, it's, there's a lot of them. And, and yeah, you can even play shooting guards. Like, I think small forward at this point in his career defensively would probably be a better fit because yeah. shooting guard you have to attack the basket you have to be you have to be the at three. the three yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he's not that quick either yeah. so but anyways this is the last question that I want Pinello to ask it's about LeBron James so go ahead Pinello this guy makes me the host last second <laughs> I have to I have to do it I have to put him on his feet <laughs> come on Bron let's go this is taking a while boys. Okay, so LeBron came out with comments, I think, the same day uh, when we beat Atlanta, that he was the greatest of all time. Now, usually, (laughs) (laughs) yes, not a lot of people will argue with this, but he said he's the greatest of all time because of the one year he took his team to defeat the Golden State Warriors. That was the year they beat them, and he thinks he's the greatest because of that. Do you agree with him? Listen, I love LeBron James. I love everything he's done. But coming out and basically calling yourself the GOAT, that is one of the worst things you could do basically to your image and to your legacy. Like That's like Tom Brady coming out and being, I'm the best quarterback of all time. Screw Montana, screw all those guys. I've been in the most Super Bowls, whatever. But like, okay, I get it. LeBron James be probably the best team ever. 73-9, and nine, that's that's dumb. You don't do that. And they were down 3-1, and they came back and won 4-3. So I get where he's coming from. He, But again, he had Irving and Love. And who made that last shot? Kyrie Irving, yeah. not LeBron James. But LeBron James was amazing, triple-double machine. His legacy keeps rolling. He's now in L.A. He's now under the bright lights. I feel like he said this to kind of get a little more publicity, but I feel like he tried getting the publicity in a positive way, but a lot of people like myself are kind of saying, well, you shouldn't be calling yourself the GOAT ever because that just sparks your ego and it just makes you look like an egomaniac. So LeBron James, to me, is the best basketball player I have ever watched. That's my opinion. You guys could take however you want. My dad will definitely disagree with me. I've already talked about that with him numerous times. He still thinks it's MJ. That's that's. People, he watched. Are, uh, people are very biased towards their eras, even if you haven't seen those players. I mean, like, again, even when you talk about winning, a lot of people bring winning into it. So they'll say Michael Jordan's the greatest ever because he won every time he went to the finals. I think he lost like once or twice. But LeBron has lost, what, like six times, five times in the finals. Yeah, MJ six and all. Yeah, six and all. <laughs> yeah. So LeBron is like three and five. Yeah. But 
he's been to the finals like eight years in a row. And I don't remember anybody that's ever done that ever. I don't remember anybody that's done that. So to me, LeBron's the best ever. Alino, what do you think on that? Because the Golden State that year, we can't forget Draymond Green got suspended for that one game. So that he was out when it was 3-1. Kyrie Irving made the last shot. LeBron, okay, I, I agree. He's an obviously an amazing player. I'm not saying he's horrible. Like Stephen A. Smith always brings up, he's a great father, great philanthropist. No one's saying he's not, like, relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But, yeah, like, LeBron... I don't like that. When you're going on to say because of one finals win, it makes you the greatest of all time. It kind of makes you look a little like an egomaniac. And it makes you like you're dying for publicity. And I, I still I'm, I agree with your dad. I think MJ's the best. I've been fortunate. I've seen both of them play live. Like when we were like five years old, like MJ's first season back, I went with my brother and my uncle. It's 2001. So I only knew him from like Space Jam. Yeah, yeah. I saw him guard Vince Carter when he was at the peak of his superpowers and shut him down. Yeah. And LeBron I saw live. He's obviously amazing. But you can't really put on one final performance, I think. You have to, like, build it. When your career's done, we can look at it. And his career's far from done. Yeah, it's it's a tough – when you say you're the GOAT, you're the greatest ever, and you still have, like, six – he potentially has, like, five years left. Yeah. Like, you can't really base it He's on not one. slowing down. Like, he's a guy where – if he came out and said this like at 39 years old, sure. Yeah, then we can that's talk fine. About that's that. that's fine. More to talk about. But you just went to a LA team, and mind you, since LeBron's injury, they've been pretty good without LeBron. I'm not saying that LeBron is the be- like. I'm not saying that he runs LA, but we've seen that guys like Lonzo Ball and Kuzma, those guys could literally they could uh they could carry a team yeah. without LeBron. So. I think it was too early for him to come out and say, I'm the greatest of all time when you're only 33 years old. And yes, you've been in the league for 15 years. You came in the league at 17, for God's sake. That's young. But what he's done is something I've never seen. It's something that fans in 10 years, they will probably never see. I don't think anybody will ever, I don't think we'll ever see another LeBron James ever again. A lot of people are saying Zion is the next coming. (laughs) I, I don't know about that. Um, when they were, it, uh, weren't they saying that about Simmons too? Yeah. Going into his draft year? Yeah, they were, LeBron. but Simmons still doesn't have a shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so LeBron James is just a guy where you look at and he screams basketball. He screams yeah. culture. Like he's a cultural icon. He's Top not, five all time, he's, not just, sure. he's not just a basketball player. He's yeah. solidified himself as a cultural icon, as a role model to millions of people. And when you do that, then you could be put in the GOAT discussion. Yeah. He is in the... He's in the GOAT yeah. discussion for me. Definitely. But when you come out and say, oh, I'm the greatest of all time because I beat this 73-9 and nine Golden State team. Yeah. LeBron, um, Michael Jordan could have easily been like, oh, I'm the greatest of all time because I beat this team. Kobe Bryant, oh, I, I'm the greatest of all time because I beat this team. Yeah, he beat the Celtics. Yeah, like, like Kobe Bryant is one of those guys where throughout his career, everyone's like, oh, this guy's, a, this guy's an egomaniac. This guy's a ball hog. This guy doesn't do enough for his team. When you when it came down to everything, Kobe was actually more of a winner than LeBron James right now. So saying that LeBron James is the greatest ever and you don't even mention Kobe Bryant, that's another question for me. Kobe Bryant, one of the best scores I've ever seen. Yeah. A lot of people are now comparing Harden to Kobe, like is Harden the next Kobe Bryant? I don't know about that because Harden's already 30 years old. So and he's never won. And he's never won. And I don't think he will with this Golden yeah, State team. Impossible. But um, 
it's a tough question. Like everyone, when you think of the GOAT, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, to me, I, I also put Kobe Bryant in there. Um, then the people, the Larry Birds, yeah, like the, the, the Magic Johnsons, those old guys, like, like the, way back. Yeah. Like I didn't, I, I didn't get to watch any of them. Me neither. <laughs> so like when my dad brings up, oh, you didn't see Will Chamberlain play, you didn't see Magic play, you didn't see Larry play. It's like, Dad, Will Chamberlain was in the '60s. Yeah. Like Magic was in the '80s. That was the dream team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest scores of all time. When my dad says that to me, I'm like. Well, when I see greatest score of all time, I just think of LeBron James and Kobe Bryant because that's what I lived with. Yeah. And then the next era, like for if you go on YouTube and stuff like Jordan, there are all these interviews of like Oscar Robinson and Will Chamberlain talking about, oh, is Michael Jordan the best? Is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the best? Then now when LeBron and Kobe are playing, it's like, is are they better than MJ? And the next era, they're going to probably say, are they better than MJ? Are they better than LeBron? And then so on. Like, that's the way it goes. Like, it's always going to be a debate with the greatest of all time because the sport's always going to evolve. Yeah. Like, again, a lot of people are comparing Embiid to Shaq. Yeah. They're like, oh, is Embiid the new Shaq? And it's like, I don't think I'll ever see anybody as dominant as Shaq ever again. Yeah. Guy would come in, bully everybody. He'd get like 25 rebounds, 50 points. Like, he was like literally... If that guy had a three-point shot, I'd call him the greatest of all time. Yeah. But it's just – it's a tough question to get into. Pegs, I want to ask you now. Do you think LeBron is the greatest of all time? With my limited basketball knowledge and everything that I have seen up to date, yes. But not because of his comments. Yes. See, I agree with that. A lot of people say, oh, well, he has a losing record in the finals. Does that make him the greatest of all time? A lot of people flat out, no, it doesn't. You have to be a winner to be the greatest of all time. And, like, again, the, the Stephen A. Smiths, the – I don't know that other guy's name. Um, all those all those analysts. I don't know. I, don't, I forgot his name. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I forgot his name. He doesn't pay advertising for our show. Don't worry about so, it. So, like, all these guys are saying, yeah, LeBron is great. He's fantastic. But he only has three championships and he's 33 years old. And it's like this guy – you say he's the greatest of all time. He only has three rings to 33. What is that saying for him? It's saying he's not the greatest. It's like, well – Last year, he brought one of the worst teams I've ever seen to the finals. He swept the Raptors, and the Raptors were, to me, far better than Cleveland last year. Kevin Love has become a human Band-Aid. That guy's injured every year for at least 25 games. So LeBron James brings this Cavs team in the finals. To me, right away, this guy's one of the greatest I've ever seen. Because last year, they were shit. They should have lost to Indiana in the first round. They scratched and clawed because, again, LeBron. They sweep the Raptors because of LeBron. And then I don't remember who they beat in the conference oh, Celtics, final. The but they Celtics. Have Irving or Hayward. Yeah. So they beat the rookies. So it's like, again, this whole – basically his whole career the last five years has been LeBron James versus Golden State. And LeBron has won two of them. No. One. One of them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, when you think of greatest of all time – LeBron is there, and when you think of greatest team of all time, you look at that Warrior team. So it's like you have the greatest team ever that's ever assembled versus the greatest of all time in LeBron James. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And the greatest team, unfortunately, wins. But again, it, I get what he's where he's coming from because there's been no team like the Golden State Warriors that year. You had even this year when Cousins comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't lose a game. Like, I'm yeah. actually not even kidding. Like, yeah. they're so good. I can see that. So, again, when you face teams like Golden State, like that, of that caliber, and you beat them, 
I get where LeBron's coming from in being an egomaniac and saying, you know what? That's one of the best teams I've ever seen. I beat them. Call me the greatest of all time. Like, do it. Because, again, what is he? He's already fifth in all-time scoring. Yeah. Like, he's he, – I think he uh, – him and uh, I think Magic have the most triple doubles in finals history, and he's only 33 years old. So, statistically, for me, LeBron is the greatest ever because – He's 33. He's only getting better. He's going to finish top two. Maybe he won't pass Kareem or Carl Malone, but he's he's up there and he will finish up yeah. there. But to me, I need to wait and see what he does with this uh, Lakers legacy. I want to see what he does with the Lakers. If it falls flat, That's it could quick it could quickly yeah. backfire and change it things. Will. I think because the Lakers thing, what like yeah, he's going there for Hollywood and stuff to build for life after basketball, but. He, what people don't realize is that's going to impact them in like three or four years because if he has no playoff wins to show for it, they're going to say, oh, yeah, he was carried in Cleveland. When he knew his time was up, he went to the Lakers and that hurt. Same, same thing could be argued in Miami. He was carried by Dwayne Wade and yeah. Chris Bosh and Ray Allen. Yeah. Ray Allen hit that, that shot that. against the Spurs, not LeBron James. Kyrie Irving hit that shot against Golden State, not LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like at the end of the day. And then other another debate that – People are going to be even talking about is uh, Golden State Warriors that were seventy three and nine, and the Golden State Warriors and they lost, now, they blew yeah. it. Yeah, are they better than the ninety five, ninety six Bulls? And a lot of people are going to say the Bulls because if you match them up, you got Jordan, Rodman, and Pippen, and then there you got Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. I think a lot of people are going to go with Jordan, Pippen, and Pippen, oh, obviously. Rodman easily. So that's another story and debate for another day. We could talk about this for hours, but guys. I think LeBron's the greatest of all time. That's my opinion. Alino thinks MJ. Pinello agrees with me and LBJ. But we got to wait and see what his legacy brings in LA. So, guys, that was episode nine. Make sure to check us out on MixCloud, SoundCloud, YouTube. Did I miss anything? Google Play. Google Play. <laughs> Anyways, guys, that is episode nine. And this is us signing out.